my brothers and sisters in the Lord, there was a skyscraper that was going up in a large city. And as the people were going to work each day, they would sort of look up and check out the progress of the building of the skyscraper. On one morning, as the crew was working, they were lifting up a very large iron beam, a steel beam, in order to bring it to the top of the skyscraper as they were constructing the skeleton. And as that beam was being lifted or hoisted up, one of the workers on the 16th floor, he was leaning out in order to try to grab the beam in order to lead it in. And as he was leaning out in order to grab that beam, he slipped and he fell. But before he could fall all the way down 16 floors to his death, he was able to grab onto the beam. And so there he was, this man, holding on to one end of the beam with both hands and his feet as tight as possible. And everyone at the ground was looking with awe, like, what are we going to do? And certainly, as you well know, when they lift these steel beams, they lift them in a horizontal position. But there was only one problem. Because the man was on one side and all his weight was on one side, the beam was moving from a horizontal position to a vertical position. And it was going to mean that the man was almost going to surely die as he could no longer grasp onto the beam. Seeing this happen, one of his friends, one of his co-workers, who was also on the 16th floor, he made a decision. He jumped off of the 16th floor on the other side of the beam. And he grabbed on in order to equal out the weight. Until finally they could lower both men to safety. My friends, many times, it's very good to have friends in high places. <laughs> it's like the little boy who came home from school one day and his father could see that he was in a fight. He was all beat up and bruised up. And his father asked him about it and he said, yes, I got in a fight with Johnny. And he said, oh, you did? Did you win? He said, no, I didn't win. He said, but I told Johnny, I said, you can pick whatever instrument you want for this fight. As we duel together, you could pick your choice of weapons. And the father said, well, that sounded fair. And the little boy looked at his dad and said, but I didn't know he was going to pick his big brother. <laughs> My friends, it is important that we have friends in high places. It is important that we have, quote, unquote, big brothers to protect us. Today, my brothers and sisters, the church celebrates the feast day, the solemnity of Christ the King, or Jesus Christ, King of the universe. My brothers and sisters, we have a God in high places, in very high places, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the highest place you can imagine. And we have one who looks out for us each and every day. And we celebrate this feast day at the end of the liturgical year as we prepare our hearts next week to enter into that holy season of Advent. And as we reflect, my brothers and sisters, on this title of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, or Christ the King, certainly there are many aspects we could reflect on. But this morning, I just want to mention 
briefly three things that are very important about this feast day. Or at least three things that this feast day helps us to call to mind. One of those things, my brothers and sisters, is that this feast of Christ the King reminds us and strengthen us, strengthens us in the very notion that because of Jesus, we know the very nature of God. Because of Jesus, we know the very nature of God. Because remember what Jesus says in St. John's Gospel. Whoever sees me, sees the Father. And so we have a glimpse into the very nature of God himself. Now in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old Testament, God is referred to using over 200 different words or images. Over 200. Words or images are used to refer to the Lord. But Jesus is the first one to use the image of Father, to use the title of Father. If you look at biblical research, there is no reference to God as Father anywhere before the time of Jesus. He refers to God as Father, specifically using the word Abba, a very endearing term. We see a very glimpse into the nature of God, that God is Father, and that we are His children. And it gives us a glimpse of that agape love that God has for you and for me, of how God leads us and guides us and protects us and cares for us. Very similar as in our first reading from the prophet, where the Lord God is referred to as the shepherd. And we are the sheep. And in many ways, the shepherd takes care of the sheep just as a parent would take care of a child. Look what the Lord God says. I will rescue them from every place where they were scattered when it was cloudy and dark. I myself will pasture my sheep. I myself will give them rest. The lost I will seek out. The strayed I will bring back, the injured I will bind up, the sick I will heal, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. Now we may not like that last part about being destroyed, <coughs> the sleek and the strong, but any good parent knows about tough love. If you're a good parent, you don't let your children do whatever they want. That's not parenting. You see, my brothers and sisters, God is false. And so it gives us a glimpse into the very nature of God himself. One of the other things we notice on this feast day of Christ the King is certainly the importance, my friends, of our own redemption. Because by Jesus' passion and death on the cross, he opened up for us the gates of eternal life. He walked our earth and he died our death so that we may experience the glory of the kingdom. Because you see, my brothers and sisters, we cannot redeem ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We are in need of a savior in order to be redeemed, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled with God. There was a debt we could not pay, but the Lord reconciled us to the fall by his death and resurrection, and opening up for us the kingdom of eternal life. Very similar in a sense, there's a wonderful little story about the czar 
Nicholas I of Russia. Nicholas I had a very good friend, and his friend had a son, and the son needed a job. And so he went to the czar and he said, can you give my son a job? And Nicholas I was a very kind man and he said, sure. So he gave him a job in the Russian army. He was the paymaster. The paymaster had, was a very important position because he was in control of the money. But there was only one problem. The son was a gambler. And so he was the paymaster and he went off with the army to the barracks and he was in charge of the money and as you would guess, he gambled it all away. And he had a very huge debt that he owed to many bookies at the time. And then he received a notice. The auditors were coming. Now if you work for a job or a business and you hear the auditors coming, you start to kind of freak out. Or if the IRS calls and says, you're going to be audited, the hairs in your back of your neck stand up. So the auditors were coming. And this young man, he didn't know what to do. And so he said, there's only one way out. And he really contemplated about taking his own life. And so one night, he wrote out a letter listing all the things that he had done, how he had gambled away all the money, it was his confession letter. And after and while he was writing the letter, he actually fell asleep on his desk with a pistol right there. Well, unbeknownst to him, the Tsar Nicholas I was made a surprise visit to the barracks that night. And he saw the young boy's light on. And he went in and he saw the boy sleeping on his desk and the Tsar began to read the letter. And as he read the letter, he noticed that the last line that the young man wrote was this. A great debt, who can pay it? That was the last thing that he wrote. Nicholas read that, and he wrote one word on the letter, and he left. The next morning, the young man woke up. He read his letter again, and he saw the one word that was written. A great debt who can pay, and the one word that the czar wrote was his own name, Nicholas. And that morning, a messenger came from the royal palace with the money to pay the debt. You see, my brothers and sisters, in our own redemption, we had a debt, our own sinfulness, so that the Lord, by his death on the cross, allowed us to experience the great joy of eternal life. And one of the last things that we recall this day on this great solemnity of Christ the King is this. We are reminded, my brothers and sisters, that by the power and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, who is our constant companion and guide, we too are called to live our life for others. That's what we hear about in the gospel today. When they say, Lord, when did we feed you? When did we clothe you? When did we come visit you when you were sick or in prison? And Jesus said, when you do these things for the least of my brethren, you do them for me. And so that's our call, my friends, to reach out beyond ourselves to the person who is next to us, to the person far away, 
who is in need of our assistance. But so many times we get caught up in this notion or this idea, I can't help, I can't do this, I can't do that, because Lord, I have so many things on my plate, I have so many of my own problems. But when we do that, my friends, we fail to recognize that Jesus is king, that he is ruler. You heard me use this image before, I'll use it once again. Last week, I was in New York City in Manhattan for a conference. And if you're in Manhattan, or if you've ever been to Manhattan, I want you to go on Fifth Avenue. And right when you stand on Fifth Avenue, I want you to look on one side of the street, which is Rockefeller Center. And Rockefeller Center is a huge complex, but one of the buildings there is the original RCA building. And in front of the RCA building, there's a beautiful statue of the Greek god Atlas. And the Greek god is holding the world on his shoulders. And as he's holding the world on his shoulders, you can see this very muscular man straining in order to keep it all together, to keep the world from falling. If you look on the other side of Fifth Avenue, directly across from the RCA building, it's St. Patrick's Cathedral. And if you go into St. Patrick's Cathedral and you go behind the high altar, you'll find a little shrine. And it's the little shrine to the child Jesus. And there's this little statue of Jesus that's probably seven or eight years old. And in his hand is the globe as well. He's not straining. He's not struggling. He's holding it all together. Too many times, my brothers and sisters, we're like the statue by the RCA building. We're straining to hold everything together in our life. And Jesus over here is saying, give it to me. Let go. You see, my friends, as we celebrate this solemnity of Christ the King, let us remember that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And because of that, we can sing hallelujah because he continues to reign forever and ever. Amen.